Old School Lane Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lane, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Casual Chats. I'm Patricia, and I am here once again with Paul Thomas, a.k.a. Gunterfan1992. So welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, so the last time that we were together, we talked about Adventure Time Distant Lands, and now we're talking about another Adventure Time spinoff series slash continuation series, whichever that you prefer to call it, and it's called Adventure Time Fiona and Cake. It premiered on August 31st of 2023, and it just ended less than a month ago. So yeah, I'm actually really excited to be talking about this. Uh, Me too. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. I think there's a lot to say. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, shortly after Distant Lands was over, I remember us talking about, like, yeah, it was really great that we were able to get a focus on BMO, Marceline and Bubblegum, Finn and Jake, and Peppermint Butler. But I would have loved to have seen more or less other focus on um, the other characters. Like, I would have loved to have seen uh, Flame Princess. I would have loved to have seen um, maybe an entire story about uh, Simon slash Ice King. Well, I guess they kind of listened to us and way when they decided to announce roughly around i think it was about like last year or maybe it was actually around the same time that distant lands was just ending because that's when we first heard about fiona and cake but the only thing we had at the time was just this promotional art piece and then as more interviews started coming along we started learning about the direction that they were going into because uh, I think I remember a long time ago that um, Susanna Makos was interviewed on uh, CBR where she was talking about that they were hoping that this series was going to lean towards the people who grew up with Adventure Time because I mean let's it's kind of hard to believe Paul but Adventure Time is almost 15 years old oh my gosh (laughs) I know (laughs) yeah and and I'm currently uh, my current job at the moment is actually working at a university and I am surrounded by 18 to 22 year olds and then I remember to myself wow I'm surrounded by people who more or less grew up with Adventure Time when they were kids so Mm -hmm. I guess um, you know at this point in time that um, it's still pretty relevant and um, a lot of people are still like praising the series even to this very day and I guess with the uh, the idea of Fiona and Cake, they were thinking along the lines of, yeah, Adventure Time has been around for so long. Let's see if we can have a, a sequel series slash spinoff series that can lean towards the people who grew up with the series. We're going to make it a little bit more darker. We're going to make it a little bit more violent. We'll put a few maybe um, bits of swear words here and there. We'll just push a little bit more of the further limits that we've ever did with Distant Lands. I mean, because we, I remember our discussion. We thought that Distant Lands was like the furthest that we've ever seen in Adventure Time, but... No, we were proven wrong. Fiona and Cake pushes it even further than Distant Lands. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. I 
I was a little apprehensive at first when I heard about that. But um, overall, I think the the growth, or if you want to call it that, or, or the uh, the pushing of boundaries was done in a very reasonable way, uh, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so Adamuto came up with the idea of focusing on Fiona and Cake as the main protagonist based off of the massive popularity that the character had. So we briefly covered Fiona and Cake in the original Adventure Time podcast. So I think that we can give more in depth with it now. So for those who don't know, Fiona and Cake was based off of the idea of one of the writers and storyboard artists on Adventure Time named Natasha Allegri. And she decided to have some fun posting these uh drawings of a gender swapped finn and jake on her tumblr and then all of a sudden it just blew up and it exploded now for those who are wondering why does that name sound familiar well natasha allegri is the creator of being puppy cat which is a a major popular animated series that was featured on the channel frederator youtube channel and that eventually had another series on netflix so that's probably where some of the ideologies of um, Fiona Cake may seem a little bit familiar for those who have tuned into watching Bee and Puppy Cat. Yeah, it's always funny when I when I meet someone and they're like, "Oh, I, I know you like Adventure Time. Have you seen this other show, Bee and Puppy Cat?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> interestingly enough, there is a connection." Yeah, why, why don't you go more into it? Because I'm sure that you have a lot more stuff that you want to go over now that Fiona and Cake is a little bit more relevant to our discussion. Yeah, sure. So first thing um, to note is that Natasha was originally hired on as a character designer for um, Adventure Time during its first season with Tom Herpick, and she was eventually promoted or, or switched to storyboard revisionist, where she stayed in that position for quite some time. But it was during um, the earlier parts of the show, I want to say when she was a board revisionist, um, but it might have still been when she was a character designer, that she posted those character drawings um, posted, on, posted them online. People loved them. And, and uh, Penn Ward and, and the producers were like, hey, maybe we can do something with this. And so Adam Muto and Rebecca Sugar were tasked with coming up with the uh, Fiona and Cake episode, uh, which they storyboarded. And the fandom really dug it. Um, I got into the show just a little bit after that episode would have aired. Um, actually, no, I guess it was quite a while, several months after the episode aired. But I remember that was one of the things that that uh, I remember seeing about people talk about. And so I was kind of surprised when there was just basically one episode at the time for this um, gender swapped uh, duo, considering how much the, uh, the fandom had kind of like talked about it, but yeah, it just sort of took off and people really, really enjoyed it. And so they kept making more and they started to explore the gender swapped versions of other characters. They had, uh, you know, gender swapped Marceline, who was Marshall Lee, voiced uh, by by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, uh, in an inspired casting choice, if if I do say so. But yeah, and then they just kind of kept going. And the original series, the last Fiona and Cake episode at the time was, in my opinion, a little disappointing because it ended on this weird cliffhanger where we learned that the Fiona and Cake stories were being beamed into the Ice King's brain. And then the series ended and we never got an answer to that. And I remember being very frustrated um, that that was sort of a major plot point that they just never explained. And now that we have the Fiona and Cake um, miniseries spinoff, like as you said, whatever you want to call it, uh, I think that that issue is, is, has been taken care of. And I actually quite like how they wrapped the existence of Fiona and Cake into the the universe that we know and love 
uh, the main Adventure Time universe that we know and love. And they didn't just do it in a way that was like, here's these, you know, oh, it's just a random universe or, oh, here, it's just fan fiction. They actually kind of gave a mythological explanation for it. And it was a funny explanation, too. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the original series, they made it look like it was based off of Ice King's fanfics. But no, it actually turned out to be in the original series where a mysterious beam just shot into Ice King's head. So it made it look like that uh, the, the ideas of Fiona and Cake were being triggered into his mind and Ice King thinking that he came up with it. But in reality, no, it was actually just you know, brought there by some unknown source. But now that we have Fiona and Cake, all of that stuff has been answered. And just like what we discussed about in Distant Lands, in which it was a continuation of Adventure Time, it took place long after the events of the Gum War. So we were able to find out what the characters were up to. And this time around with Fiona and Cake, the reason why we say it's a sequel series is because it takes place... I don't know how many years after Distant Lands, because yeah. if you remember from Obsidian, we did see an adult Finn. And we when we see in Fiona and Cake, he's much older than the, what we saw before, but not as old as we say with Together Again, in which, you know, he's an old man and, you know, spoiler alert, he's dead. So, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely in between those two particular storylines. Yeah, I feel like Finn has to have been like maybe in his 30s or something i don't know maybe that's a little too too old for him but yeah he was definitely an adult <laughs> an adult human man mm -hmm. which yeah, was pretty sure. uh not necessarily jarring to see but but very i'm not used to that you know i'm used to finn the little noodle armed kid not this like super buff <laughs> yeah super buff beefcake yeah <laughs> which is pretty funny but i liked that his personality they really kept his personality consistent which i appreciated i that's, do agree yeah I seemed that 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 seemed like an important thing. Um, and I was worried, you know, an adult Finn would maybe be a little too too serious or something. But <laughs> no, he's still the Finn we know and love, just mature and wiser. Yeah. And very interesting how they decided to swap his partner in this uh, incarnation, because if you remember in Obsidian, he was teaming up with, you know, Bronwyn, who's Jake's granddaughter. But this time around, we have TV, who's one of Jake's sons. And we saw him becoming a detective in the last episode of Adventure Time. So kind of interesting about how the, you know, the awkward one is actually going to be Finn's partner of all people. <laughs> Uh, I like the idea that that Finn is, uh, you know, after Jake died, um, Finn went around to his family and was like, you know, I should probably make connections <laughs> with these people. And then he learned that he actually had more in common with them than he uh, than he thought. And maybe that led to these partnerships. Yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying, because it's really nice to see that even long after Jake died, that Finn decided that he was going to continue teaming up with Jake's family members and go on crazy adventures together. So that is actually really nice to see. And I'm glad that we were able to kind of like get that middle point after the events of Jake dying. So that is really nice to see again. But no, the focus this time is more on Simon. So we now get to see what happened at the end of adventure time and of course with obsidian but he wasn't really much of a focus on obsidian so let's just say that for the sake of ease for our listeners it takes place 
you know, right after the gum war and we do get to see, you know, Simon's life after Betty was absorbed by Gulb, where essentially he is running this museum slash attraction where what was it like living in human society in the 90s? And he's just this old relic. And he is miserable. He wants nothing more than to bring Betty back out of Gulb so that he can be able to have a happier life because he just feels so out of place. You know, him and Marceline aren't together as much anymore because obviously Marceline is with Bubblegum, as we saw with Obsidian. And he tried to connect with Jake, uh, with Finn again, but, you know, Finn's adventures are just way too dangerous and way too... Um, way too much for Simon to handle. And so he just feels like he needs to do something. And so he he brings Choose Goose because <laughs> I guess Choose Goose from what we saw in the last special involving with Peppermint Butler. Yeah, let, let's mm-hmm. see if we can bring him into it. <laughs> Why not? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, get some evil magic juice <laughs> flowing yeah. through. Exactly. Get the evil magic juice that he was able to gain through in that last special in Distant Lands to try to revive gold. But instead, it actually activates in his mind the world of where Fiona and Cake reside in. And we do get to see Fiona and Cake in what is essentially their world, which is really boring and mundane. And we have essentially Fiona and Cake playing off the lines of what Being Puppycat are. For those who have seen Being Puppycat is about a 20-something-year-old uh, young adult who is unemployed and is just struggling to um, become an adult. And we have um, Puppycat, who is essentially like really magical and they're going around into different dimensions and exploring things together and it's almost essentially that even though the natasha allegri was not involved with um fiona and cake it almost feels like she is because fiona and cake are essentially being puppy cat yeah you can definitely tell the dna that she infused into it is alive and well mm-hmm. um i have a feeling that obviously there's a lot of people that that are to um, you know credit for that, but I feel like Adam Mudo. If there's one thing that he has been good at, it's find like taking a vision that someone has and then sort of refining it and then keeping that spirit alive. Like I think he's done a great job keeping Pin Ward's spirit alive, and in this case, I think he did a good job. Sort of yeah, I do agree. I agree 100%. And um, uh, I just really love this introduction where we get to see the life that Fiona is living through, where she's just absolutely miserable. And it's very realistic for, mm-hmm. you know, people <laughs> who are in maybe like their mid to late 20s or early uh, 30s, where they're just struggling with the mundane. They hate the jobs that they're at. They're struggling to, you know, make ends meet. They're struggling to pay the rent. And they are just wanting to have more than what they have and what is offering to them. So, yeah, I think that it's a great segue into the craziness that we would get to see throughout the course of the miniseries in which, you know, we have Fiona who just wants so much more than just this provincial life. I'm going to quote Beauty (laughs) here. So, yeah, basically, she's just trying to go through the job of, you know, being a a tour guide and she absolutely hates it. But then she gets fired. And even though she needs the job and then we get to see the gender swap characters of the the series um, from the Fiona and Cake specials that we got to see um, throughout the course of Adventure Time. We got to see Marshall Lee. We get to see, um, well, not necessarily the bubblegum prince, but we get to see something like that in in the form of Gary Prince, who um, who works at a bakery, and instead of 
um, you know, fla- and instead of a lumpy space prince, we have essentially a character named LSP, as in like E L L I S P, and he is basically like some sort of like um carer of animals who just talks and thinks that it's very all mystical and you know all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, there, you you essentially have like all these little homages and touches of like the original series and implemented into like this normal town. And then finally you get to see, uh, you know, where, you know, when Simon was uh, doing the spell on Choose Goose and trying to bring Betty out of Gulb. And then finally we get to see um, Cake coming out of Simon's head first and then later on Fiona. And then we do get to have... Um, the beginnings of a massive adventure and yeah i guess we can uh, talk about any particular moments that we found really great or not so great uh, throughout this discussion so why don't we get started yeah that's a great idea i think that oh, this by, is by a... the way uh, one more thing before i uh, um we go any further spoilers major spoilers <laughs> yeah. I know that um, I'm sure that some people have already seen it by this point, but I actually know somebody who's literally getting into Adventure Time for the very first time. And he told me to please give a spoiler warning. So at this point in time, spoiler warning, if you have not seen it, go watch it on go watch it on Max or wait until it comes out on Cartoon Network. Okay, now let's begin. All right. Well, I do think that first off, um, this was a. A roller coaster <laughs> and some of the episodes are among the best the series has produced i would say i agree um, while i do have some some uh some issues with how it ended there were a lot of just set pieces and individual moments um that were really really solid and really really funny and i'm trying to think of a good place to start do you have any uh things that pop into your head well i'm trying to think because uh, one of the first things that I recalled was when we got to see Simon's life after the events of Adventure Time. That was the one that really stuck out to me. Even though that I did enjoy Fiona and Cake's introduction in the first episode, that second episode just like just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, yeah, the, 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 you know, Simon Petrikov, who was dedicating his entire life into, um, you know, trying to do all of his research and then eventually like losing his mind for over a thousand years as the Ice King. And now he's back to normal and he's completely lost. Simon went through so much in Adventure Time. Sure, you know, in the first couple of seasons, we just saw him as the Ice King and he was just this wacky guy who just wants nothing more than to marry princesses. And then when we find out about his backstory, he's like, oh, oh, wow. Okay, so it's about this scientist who wore the crown and then he just ended up going crazy for a thousand years. And then finally, when he's able to become free of that, he has nothing left. The The only love of his life is pretty much gone, eaten by this space abomination. And, <laughs> you know, uh, the closest thing to a daughter has already like long grown up. And now she has, a, you know, a significant other that she's mostly with. And, you know, the, the little boy that uh, used to be thwarting him all the time, he's already grown up and he's still just the same uh, adventurer he's always been. But now, you know, Simon has already reached the point of age in which he can't handle that kind of stuff anymore he can't fly anymore he doesn't have ice powers he's not a wizard he's just a regular guy but yeah I I think that just seeing that for the first time you know catching up with the characters long after Adventure Time has ended you get to see about like wow they're they're really taking this into a further level than we've ever seen it in 
Absolutely. And I think I, um, with that second episode, it really resonated with me as well. And part of that was because um, this last December, I, I mean, I earned my PhD. Um, and so I'm done with that. And then when I was done with that, I was like, what is next? <laughs> I was at the top of the mountain, so to speak. And I was like, okay, this is the top of the mountain. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And seeing, seeing yeah. Simon, obviously, I didn't lose the love of my life. It, she wasn't eaten by a space abomination or anything like that. But it still was a weird situation where like something I had worked for for so many years and wanted I had. And then I'm like, okay, well, what comes next? Right. And that can open up just a, a, a horrible can of depression, surprisingly enough, just the, I don't want to say the meaninglessness of, of having what you always wanted, but like you now are faced with that big question of, well, what do you do? What is yeah. the next step? And I, I think that with Simon, it was obviously he tried to live a normal life and then he resorted to using choose goose magic, which I'm assuming is probably some sort of um, stand in for like drugs or some sort of substance abuse, something, you know, that's damaging to the psyche um, that he probably shouldn't have been partaking in, but he did it because he just needed to feel something. But of course that had uh, in the darkness, there always is the light. There always the, is the potential for something good. And Fiona and cake were buried in his head subconsciously and for whatever reason, um, they were brought into ooh, and then everything proceeded uh, into it. Like you said, it just wrapped up into a grand adventure. And it was nice to finally see Simon, obviously, finally get a W. You know, he's he's taken L after L, and he's a very nice man. He's an extremely nice and likable character, and you just want to see him happy. And by the end of this miniseries, for better and for worse, no pun intended, he, I feel like, is in a better place than he ever has been. And that was nice to see. And that was very, very satisfying. As someone who has enjoyed the Ice King, his development, how he's grown up, his relationship with Betty, it was nice to see him finally be in a place where he's kind of free from all of that sadness and that angst. And now he can just live his life according to the principles that he himself uh, has, you know, the, the, live his life the way he wants to. Right. I, I do agree. And yeah, I would say throughout the, um, the course of the series, it's essentially a focus on Fiona and Cake and Simon trying to get away from our new villain, who's known as the Scarab. The Scarab essentially works around in the same, you know, dimensional department as Prismo, where, you know, where Prismo is able to look at every single dimension and every single alternative world and find out, you know, if, if it's going according to plan, if it's not going according to plan. This guy takes his job super seriously. And we see throughout the course of Fiona and Cake that Prismo is just going through the doldrums like everything has not really changed too much so he's just basically like going on autopilot and then you know things are shaking up once the world of fiona and cake which by the way now we finally find out how this all came to be so prismo was going through this whole thing of he was feeling bored and so he decided to create like this alternative gender swap thing a Finn and Jake story on ooh into a fan fiction kind of thing and then decided to insert it into Ice King's head because reasons and so that's where the <laughs> whole laser thing happened so yeah Prismo's the one who's responsible for Fiona and Cake at this point was... in time I'm not too surprised yeah I, I was when they did that reveal I, I laughed because I was not expecting that and it was a very funny way, I thought, for them to wrap 
like actually make the existence of Fiona and Cake make sense. Like, why would they exist? <laughs> it was Prismo. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, exact, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially like taking it like super far away from all of the other dimensions because technically they're not supposed to exist. So it kind of reminds me of when the Almighty Tallest told Zim to conquer some part of the world when they just wanted him to go away, and they just pointed <laughs> him to like some sort of unknown planet that doesn't really exist. And then Zim decides to, you know, go so far into the um the galaxy where he eventually quote unquote finds the unknown planet and it turns out to be earth so yeah so think of it like that mixed with you know the legend of zelda Link's awakening in which like huh. oh we have this unknown world that just so happens to exist and you know if we cause you know something catastrophic to happen they'll all go away and disappear like if they never existed so yeah let's just mix a little bit of that in there so yeah I, and the scarab is i would say a pretty interesting villain i mean he's very threatening because he wants to be able to you know have the same position prismo has and so he locks him up in the cube and he chases fiona cake and simon all throughout the different dimensions where it's essentially like more or less what we see in ooh but all in different facets where we get to see a post-apocalyptic one we get to see one where it's just fully ice world theme we get to see one that is just like more really friendly so yeah, it's it's essentially like dimension hopping throughout most of the series where the main goal is, you know, Simon trying to bring Fiona and Cake back into his mind so that they can be able to be safe from the Scarab. So they're trying to find a crown very similar to um, what the Ice King used to have. So they're going dimension hopping so they can find the equivalent of that. And you have Scarab who's trying to chase Fiona and Cake and destroy their dimension because it doesn't it shouldn't even exist in the first place. And then you have Simon who's trying to find a way to not only bring Fiona Cake back into his mind, but to get Betty out of Gulb. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, they really did pack a lot into this miniseries. And and uh, to touch on the point about Scarab, I like the fact that Adventure Time villains are always either mundane to a point of comedy or or very scary like the lich and i feel like the scarab is kind of more towards that mundane side of things where he feels very much like an an hr ex uh, executive or someone who just takes their job way too seriously and like yeah. he's very dangerous because he can you know wipe you out of existence or whatnot but it still had this bureaucratic feel that made it very funny like he was doing all of this not because he was evil or because he had some i mean i guess he had ulterior motives but it was largely because them's the rules and he's trying to enforce them to the best of his ability. He's like a hall monitor, an intergalactic hall monitor. And so he was he was a fascinating villain to to, to work into the series. I was curious how they were going to top the Lich or Gold for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, the worlds that they went to, as you mentioned, I think were probably some of my favorite parts of this miniseries. Yeah, we went to Farm World, which was um, the alternate universe that was introduced in the season five premiere. Um, we also went to a ice world uh, where there was like a magic uh, ice, quote unquote, friendly ice king. Yeah, uh, who, who by, kind uh, of almost reminded me of the snow miser from There's No oh, yeah. Year Without a Santa Claus. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, you know, it's surrounded by ice and snow. He has all of his little minions and he's happy. He's singing. He's jolly. So it kind of gave me those kind of vibes for some reason. I could see that very much. So I felt like as soon as we, we met him, I was like, there's something ominous here. 
Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that um, Brian David Gilbert was the, his voice actor. Um, I didn't rec- realize that until after the episode was over, but I was like, that voice is very familiar. Mm-hmm. And so that was just pretty, really funny. Also, pretty horrific when we got like the Candy Queen stuff, which oh, I gosh, think yeah. is perhaps one of the greatest like one-off characters in the show. Yes. Like the perf- the vocal performance there was just fantastic. I agree. Um, and, and then of course having uh, Fiona and Cake just like slaughter all those <laughs> zombie candy monsters because they thought they were evil was 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 a bit bleak but still um, I mean it fit in with the sort of theme of making mistakes yeah and, and right we get thing. to see the the progression that Fiona goes through to trying to be a superhero where you know she's trying to be one after living through this mundane life but she's constantly making mistakes and she's learning from them I mean especially with the next world that we go into after the Winter King where we it's it's basically like you know if Simon never raised Marceline you know she would actually team up with the Vampire King and pretty much all of existence was gone with the exception of vampires and so we essentially have a Mad Max situation where there's like this rebellious group of soldiers who are trying to take them down yeah and i love that yeah princess bubblegum was like the mad max leader in a peppermint butler tank and yeah then, um, <laughs> yeah she, she did look too. a lot like furiosa yeah yeah and finn's dad was their uh, alternate universe version of finn's dad but in this world he apparently wasn't uh, a bad guy <laughs> no was... It, it was very off-putting to see martin is just like the nice guy and then when yeah. baby finn from the previous uh, alternative world comes into the picture he actually is caring for it which is like oh wow this is a sh- surprise yeah absolutely and then yeah poor spoiler alert poor alternate universe um dad bites the dust yes, he <laughs> um, does. and i was bummed out about that because i was kind of hoping that maybe he could redeem himself by raising baby finn <laughs> in the vampire apocalyptic world but whatever i yeah. love that 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 marceline got to we got to see marceline uh um in, or, or the star i should say in like an evil form again yeah it reminded me of evicted granted she wasn't really evil and evicted she just lost track of her moral code as as the song says but it was still this one gave the character a chance to really kind of go towards that darker end and we can see her in this sort of depraved like what marceline could have become if simon wasn't there to guide her and yeah, i really exactly liked i really liked with all these little worlds that there was kind of this idea that without simon as we know him the everything kind of goes you know goes to hell in a handbasket with with farm world you know he stopped the bomb but he died doing it um with uh with the vampire world he just died and then with the uh the ice world he he was it was like if he had rejected his morals and basically used nefarious magic to to save himself and in all of these worlds the outcome is always really really bad and it goes to emphasize this idea that Simon might feel like he has no purpose, has no meaning, you know, that he's just kind of bumbling through life. But at the end of the day, he's kind of a major reason why the universe hasn't been destroyed because without (laughs) him, none of this would happen Um, without him. You know, the world as we know, it would, would be vastly, vastly different. And I thought that was sweet because that's something I've often thought about with uh, way back when in like season five, when they talked about Simon raising Marceline, I was like, that's a really important moment for her because she could have very easily become some sort of evil demon. 
Yeah, I mean, officer. I mean, that's what Hunson wanted. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't because of just because of Simon. And now we, we get to see the sort of ramifications of, oh, yeah, Simon's again. He's taken so many losses that it's nice to see him, even if it's implicitly shown to be kind of this hero that that the world's need. <laughs> even if he is an, a middle aged uh, antiquarian, he's still one of the most important entities that has ever existed. Yeah. And he's just a normal guy. Yeah, he's just a normal guy, but he did so much depending on which dimension that you saw him in, whether it be with, you know, sacrificing his life so that the bomb didn't explode during the Mushroom War or, um, you know, the fact that he was able to raise Marceline in uh, a very uh, homely environment in a time in which when everything was pretty much destroyed and her, you know, uh, Marceline's mother died. And we saw that with Distant Lands about how she was practically alone. And so it just makes you wonder about, like, if um, if Simon wasn't around and if Hunson was able to raise her until Marceline was ready to go into the world and then finally she confronted the Vampire King, what would have happened afterwards? So, yeah, I, I think that all of these different dimension hoppings really shows us about, like, yes, I mean, I know that the main objective is to get Fiona and Cake back into Simon's mind and into their world so that things will be back to normal and so the Scarab doesn't destroy it. But at the same time, we wanted to know that final piece into Simon's story story that we never got in either the original adventure time or distant lands yeah and then the that kind of ties into the whole tale into the miniseries which is his relationship with betty which i will say i loved the first two-thirds of this miniseries like I, I it was like some of the best the show's ever done and i feel like with the ending it wasn't bad but i feel like they fumbled it a little bit okay um, I wasn't super happy with how they handled the Betty Simon stuff, but I think it all worked out in the end. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So I guess we can start going into that. So yeah, Casper and Nova and Cheers are the last um, episodes of the ser of this mini series. And it goes into a surprise that I never would have expected where the next um, dimension that they hop into is the one that is featured in the last episode of Adventure Time, which is ooh, 1,000 years later, because he's Shermie and Beth again. I never would have thought that I was yeah. Shermie and Beth again. I didn't either. And I was uh, I was shocked at how much I was excited to see them. Yeah, me <laughs> when, too. When they were on screen, I was like, oh, yay, it's it's familiar faces, even though we'd only seen them in one previous episode. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and and I think that's when Shermie and Beth get introduced, though, that is where I started to feel like some of the storytelling faltered a little bit um, because Simon swaps minds with um, with Shermie and then has like this vision with with gold. And then there's a flash. There's a really good flashback episode with them. That's sort of just like the story of Simon and Betty getting to know each other, falling in love, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but the thing that really rubbed me the wrong way was this whole sort of idea that one of the issues with their relationship was that basically Simon always just assumed that Betty was going to do what he wanted and that she was happy to do that, which I don't think is necessarily a bad message to send. Like you shouldn't, you know, relationship should be um, uh, reciprocal and people should give and take. But I feel like, what this all of this miniseries really showed was that both Simon and Betty had kind of a unhealthy um, obsession with the other one to do like go above and beyond to sacrifice themselves for the other one's life, which is romantic, but also a little, <laughs> a little, a little over the top at times. And 
I just wish that they had tightened the screws with that message a little bit because I think they landed on their feet and they had the idea that like, oh, Simon needs to live his own life because Betty sacrificed hers for him. And if he just wastes it, like he wasted her sacrifice. That's great. Um, but yeah, they, they use the Casper and Nova stuff to to kind of imply that whole like uh, always choosing Simon sort of thing. And that element of the finale or the last few episodes is kind of what I thought was a little off. Again, it didn't destroy anything. I just thought it wasn't as strong as it could have been, but it still was an emotionally satisfying ending that hit a lot of the the story beats that it needed to. Mm. So what would you think that um, the the lessons that both Simon and Betty would have uh, gotten into on their sacrifices as opposed to the whole Casper and Nova thing? I love the idea that if you are in a relationship, you need to be willing to give, but also you have to get, you know? Um, it's not something where one person can can always be the, the victor, do everything they want to do, achieve all their dreams and all that stuff, and the other one can't. Um, at the same time, it's important to still be, uh, you know, caring and care about that other person and put them. This is I'm speaking my opinion here. Put yeah, them uh, front, uh, in front of you at certain times. And so, again, I don't think it was a bad message to say, like, Ice King needs to respect that what Betty did and what Betty chose. That's great. I just wish that they had also looked at the fact that, like, both of them kind of went went ham in trying to yeah. save one another betty absolutely like, i mean we, we saw from season six onward that betty did absolutely everything that she could so that she can get simon away from being controlled by the crown i mean like she went above and beyond of trying to do that and then we saw with simon about everything that he tried to do so that he can be able to get betty back and yeah we, we, i mean all of those things follow consistently throughout the series Mm-hmm. yeah and so uh, the the story kind of ended with that message more so than the they always chose simon simon story kind of uh, message that the uh casper and nova episode sort of implied right but uh i i like i think uh just a little stronger emphasis on the on the fact that they both both of them i don't want to both of them made mistakes and i think even betty mentions that and when she's in the bus yeah and, she uh, did like you know what would have happened if i would have just left and i would have just left simon behind as opposed to like going with simon everywhere i mean yeah i mean it's it's kind of a difficult complex thing when it comes to relationships because of course when you're in a relationship with someone all you want to be able i mean one of the major things you want to do is to make your significant other happy yeah. and some of the things that may want that you want to do that may make them happy is a lot of sacrifices like okay well i want to be able to take this job offer in in this um business and it's going to pay a lot more money and it's going to get a lot more benefits but the problem is it's in another country would your significant other be able to sacrifice leaving the place that they know of so that they can be able to go with their significant other into this location so that they can possibly make a better life or maybe it doesn't work all together and you know even though that the job that they're uh, that the significant other is at is paying a lot more and has a lot more benefits you yourself are miserable and you gave up everything so that you know your significant other will be happy i'm sure that that's what the message that they were trying to go for about like all the sacrifices that one significant other was able to do for another significant other yeah. and it showed off that betty was the one who sacrificed so much for simon and simon all he cared about was just what he wanted for himself not realizing that the whole point of 
you know, Simon wanting to be able to bring Betty back is so that he can be able to continue off his life as normally. And we see that both Simon and Betty did some drastic things so that they can be able to make one another happy. I mean, Betty was able to, con you know, control a whole bunch of magic, even like stealing magic from wizards and doing so that so she can be able to break away from Simon's uh, control of the crown and the Ice King and... We have Simon who was able to sacrifice so much so that he can be able to get Betty back from Gulb, even though in reality, there's just absolutely no way that that could be possible. So, yeah, each of them did their own sacrifices in their own way, and each of them made a ton of mistakes along the way. It, uh, for some reason, in this series, it made it look like Simon was the one who was making all of these selfish decisions, and then Betty was the one who got the comeuppance. Yeah, and and I think that was the that was kind of the the bit that that rubbed me the wrong way because I never really got that impression. I I'd always seen them sort of as equals. I mean, they co-wrote that book together. You know, they were they were colleagues. I had just assumed that they obviously had sacrificed with one another, but that it was on a largely equal footing. Um, and then this this uh, this special kind of came in and sort of implied that, no, they mostly just followed what Simon wanted to do, which, again, isn't a bad it's not a bad message to say, hey, don't do that. <laughs> but I just thought it was a very late development and I didn't particularly like it because it sort of painted Simon as a, as a selfish person. And I mean, we're all selfish at times. I get that. And I think that's part of the lesson of the show, too, is you can't you can't change the past. Um, but I don't know. I just thought it was unnecessarily harsh on Simon at, at points. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm sure if they would have introduced it like uh, like earlier on throughout the series, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, it, yeah, I think that's that's my issue. It just it sort of came out of nowhere, but they didn't really like super linger on it. It was sort of an an element along the path to the greater message, which was this idea about you know if someone gave their life for you to live, you know you should live that kind of stuff, and and that's that's great, and I think that's fine, and I liked I liked how it ended. I thought it was it was a solid ending, and I'm happy that the miniseries existed because um, mm -hmm. like when it first was announced, I was worried it was gonna like Adventure Time had had been producing a lot of really quality stuff, and I was worried that Fiona and Cake was gonna be the hiccup there because I was like, how are they gonna make eight of these that are each 30 minutes long like i don't understand these are fan fiction characters but instead what they did is they not only expanded the universe and the mythology but they took these characters that were previously kind of just like inverse caricatures and they breathed some personality and life into them and made them their own people and in yes. fact i know this is changing the subject just a little bit but i was really impressed with what they did with cake I thought that they gave Cake some characterization and some some screen time, some time to shine that she really hasn't had in the last Fiona and Cake episodes. Right. I remember there was one where she was doing something, and this wasn't the miniseries; it was in a, a, the original series. She's doing something, and she just goes, "Cake's helping," and it was almost like a lampshade of like how Cake doesn't really do anything; she's just kind of there to say things, and then. Mm -hmm change into something funny but right. in this miniseries she was there she played a part in everything and she had like her her full personality came out and they were able to use um is it Roz ryan is that her voice actress? yeah Roz ryan yes yeah, they used her to i thought to like the best best of her ability she had some funny funny lines that she was able to deliver and yeah i was just really really impressed with how they uh how they handled bringing uh fiona and cake to life yeah 
Absolutely. And, and another thing that I really have to give commend commending compliments to Fiona and Cake is the music that was featured in Fiona and Cake. Yes. Absolutely. I think that the music that was featured by Rebecca Sugar, Half Shy, and with um, Zuzu are some of the best that I've ever heard in Adventure Time. I always feel like whenever a new song comes out from Adventure Time, I feel like it's the best in Adventure Time, and then another one comes out, and it's the best. So I would agree with you in the sense that I think that they are the the that crew knows how to write a song, and they know who to talk to when they're writing or when they need a song. Yeah, um, half half shy hit it out of the park again. Zuzu hit it out of the park again. I'm a big fan of both of those artists, so uh, I was delighted that they came back. And of course, Rebecca Sugar, you know, can never get enough of Rebecca Sugar's tunes. Yeah, part of the madness is such an amazing song. Just talking about the life of Simon after the events of the gum war, just the fact that he's just lost and confused and the fact that he's no longer being controlled as the ice King and all the um, feelings he's going through of trying to catch up with everything. But he just feels out of place in a world where, you know, everything that he knew of is like over a thousand years behind. And, you know, the things that was really close to him are pretty much gone. Like, you know, obviously Betty is gone and Marceline is with Bubblegum. So he pretty much has nothing left. Not Myself is a really great song. It's basically like the main theme of fiona where it's basically just her being absolutely miserable of her mundane life i remember seeing on instagram the other day that zuzu based off that song from something that she went through about i think a year or two prior to when fiona and cake was picked up where at a brief time she had to move back with her parents and she was just wondering about like what's going to be next for me i don't know i'm confused i feel like i've taken a, a step backward towards my life and so that's what got her the inspiration for the song and then finally everything in you which is essentially the love song for simon and betty by half shy is just again encompassing on what we were saying before about the relationship with simon and betty in which you know even though that they love each other each of them are doing their own sacrifices so that one or another can be able to become really really happy and yeah i think that each and every single one of them clearly know the characters that they're writing for and the way that they're able to exuberate the feelings and emotions on each and every single one of them by song form it is brilliant Absolutely. And I think that Adam, uh, Adam Muto gets, deserves some credit for, for reaching out and talking to those people, like getting half shine Zuzu to come on because he, uh, he, 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 I think he could tell, like, I think he could tell that they work. They were the ones that could do this. They cared so much and they did. And they brought that energy and it was awesome and it was wonderful. And I'm glad that both, like I said, both of them came back because I think both half shy and Zuzu are really wonderfully talented musicians. And it's always fun to hear more of their music. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So for those uh, who listened to our last podcast, if you guys remember, Half Shy and Zuzu were essentially fans of Adventure Time. Uh, you know, Zuzu is from Liverpool and Half Shy is from Seattle. And 
Adam Muto loved their music so much that he called them in to write songs for Distant Lands, uh, more specifically Obsidian. So um, Zuzu wrote um, Woke Up and Want to Be With You, and Half Shy wrote Monster. So those songs became really, really big in Obsidian, and that's why it got the praise that it did. And so I take it that Adam Muto was wanting to work with them again of how great of a job they did, and they nailed it. They yeah. absolutely nailed Nailed it. They did a fantastic job writing those songs. And of course, Rebecca Sugar. I mean, no introductions on who Rebecca Sugar is. I mean, uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, at this point in time, you, you probably already know who she is. But yeah, she did a great job as well. And yeah, the music featured um, is great, too. You know, Amanda Jones, who worked on Distant Lands, did the soundtrack for Fiona and Cake. And she did a really good job, too. I, I really do enjoy the sporadicness of the opening theme song and the themes that were able to play every single dimension that they were able to go across. So, yeah, I, I think that the music and and Fiona cake is right up there with some of the best that adventure time has ever had. So yeah, go listen to something. it on Spotify. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Yeah. It's saying something too. Cause I feel like adventure time has, has a lot of bangers in its soundtrack and the fact that they just keep churning out these, songs that are so good it's very impressive in fact the fact that the producers are able to churn out content that is this good consistently over and over and over again is sort of amazing in my opinion absolutely yeah, I guess the thing that we didn't really cover too much on is, you know, the the world that Fiona and Cake is in. I mean, we there was this whole subplot regarding around Gary and Marsha Lee coming together. So I guess we didn't really d delve too deep into that, which, you know, by the way, it's really nice to get that bit of slice of life mixed in with the adventure from Fiona, Cake and Simon. So I really do like the fact that, you know, I guess, you know, this alternative world's counterparts of Marceline and Bubblegum were able to become together. And it's actually really interesting of seeing um, essentially Marshall Lee's mom, who is this major CEO, and Gary, who is this baker who just loves sweets, coming together like this, you know, very similar to Bubblegum and Marceline, who are opposites to track. So, yeah, I, I really did like that part of the story mixed in with, um, you know, the adventurous side of Fiona cake i did as well i was worried that i wasn't going to care as much not because i don't care about the characters but you know there's there's big stuff going on in this oh yeah series. sure yes but they did a great job it was very it was very sweet it was very in character it felt natural and and i wasn't i was and it didn't it didn't hog too much time or anything like it it would come in with the story and we'd learn a little bit more about marshall and gary and then you'd they'd leave us at a place where we're like okay well i want to know what happens next and it was just a very natural wonderful build-up and i was glad that we did get to see them um and uh, it in fact i i kind of wish we had had more um i did like what we got though so I'm, i guess no i can't can't complain you know that adam muto recently said in an interview that maybe they're even considering doing a season two of fiona and cake huh i wonder how that would work i mean yeah sure i was gonna say that I feel like if they do a special or do another spinoff or whatnot, uh, the 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 logical one for me would be a Shermie and Beth one. Yes, I agree. I, I know that on that topic, um, a friend of mine on Twitter was talking to Steve Wolfhard during uh, during a live stream. He live streamed his wife like pickling vegetables or something like that. Oh, okay. And he, was, he was answering questions, and uh, my friend asked about the ooh a thousand plus you know the the shermie and beth world like who all is still there 
And Steve said in his mind, uh, in the intro to the finale, uh, you see those little there's hands on the the Ice King, uh, the Ice Kingdom's like prison, and there's like a person in a parka. Uh, with a telescope, those were supposed to be Marceline and Princess Bubblegum. Oh. And I don't know if that's still canon or not, you know, because it could change and whatnot. But sure. I think that if that is the case, there is a story that could be told about Sh- Shermie, Beth, and maybe Marceline and Bubblegum, uh, maybe fighting Gibbon or, or whatnot, you know. So I think that there is a story, a really good story that could be told there. And so I'd love to see that. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't say no to Morphean and Cake. Um, at all I enjoyed really I really enjoyed what they did with those characters so, but that's just my kind of my wish for for future content if, if it if it comes to that mm-hmm. yeah I do agree yeah so I don't really have much to say so do you have any final words to say about Fiona and, Co- uh, Fiona and Cake right before we go um I I am shocked that the um the program is still on but also still producing good content um it's very common for franchises to just lurch on and on and kind of become zombies of themselves and i Mm -hmm. don't feel like adventure time has done that um i feel like it's managed to stay relevant and fresh and doesn't feel tired uh still has a lot of good ideas and i kind of think that uh, you know maybe producing specials every couple years rather than you know cranking out episodes you know 20 to 50 episodes a year uh, probably makes it easier to come up with ideas that feel a little more invigorating. Um, but yeah, I'm just really, really happy. And so I look forward to see what what happens next with them. Can I also do a quick little promo plug? Absolutely. So I uh, last time we talked on here, um, I had released a book for free called Exploring the Land of Ooh that was sort of a background of Adventure Time, a production history. And in the intervening years, I reached out to the University Press of Mississippi, and they were interested in reissuing it. And so I kind of rewrote it and added new stuff to it. In fact, I I took some of the advice or suggestions you made. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or if it was just uh, through Twitter about. Um, no, I think about, it was like, through Twitter. I, I do okay. remember this. Yeah, you you said you suggested looking at things like video games and comics and the movies, and so I yes. did that, and so I now we now has a chapter on on those things. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a new and improved version. Unfortunately, it is not free this time since I'm going through a publisher. But of course, um, but uh, yeah, if you're interested, you can just uh, exploring the land of Ooh. It's the the newest version. It's got a really awesome cover that I did not design, <laughs> uh, but it's really really cool. It looks like kind of the Adventure Time esque uh, style. And I, and I was really, really psyched when I saw it. I also, if you're an academic, I edited a book called Analyzing Adventure Time that came out a couple months ago that has some scholarly essays in it uh, written by a variety of, of people, variety of researchers from around the world, all looking at Adventure Time, Adventure Time from like a scholarly uh, angle, analyzing it um, according to different theories. Uh, it's it's a little more technical. Uh, so if you're, you know, you're just kind of a casual fan or you're not a college professor, that might not be the one to start with, but uh, just thought I'd mention both of those. All right, then. Well, yeah, I'm really excited to take a look at all of those things. Yeah. Um, and and um, I'm sure for all of our listeners who love Adventure Time and love scholarly essays and discussions, I'm sure that we get a kick out of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at least I do, if I say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, and uh, as for me, you can check out my stuff at uh, oldschoollane.net. I have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash oldschoollane, youtube.com slash oldschoollane. 
Uh, I'm still on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. I'm also on Mastodon at Patricia Miranda. Uh, you can check me out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, all those places. New episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then they'll go up in a few days on YouTube. We're just wrapping up on old spooky lane creepy chats. So um, we got some more episodes coming in, wrapping up Tim Burton month. And also we got a bonus episode for you guys that I'm really, really looking forward to working on some videos uh, for hopefully coming out in November is a really cool themed month that I've been working on for quite a while. So hope you guys enjoyed that. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying what Adventure Time has to offer uh, in terms of its specials with um, Distant Lands and Fiona and Cake. And I'm really curious as to see what's next for them because I can clearly tell that um, they still have a lot more on their plate. I'm just waiting until to see what's going to be on the, the next chapter of uh, their storytelling. So until then, um, Paul, thank you so much for coming on by. I really do appreciate it. Thank you it. so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Let us know in the comments below about your thoughts on Fiona and Cake. Uh, what were your favorite episodes or your least favorite episodes? Or what did you think of the transition between Adventure Time, Distant Lands, and then eventually towards Fiona and Cake? What other characters would you like to see focused in future installments of Adventure Time? That's it. Hope to see you around soon. Take care.